to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory? It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly, as always with pancreatic cancer, stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms and will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for. Join us each day for our Purple Rainbow podcast. If you miss any of the episodes, you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure. Follow us on your podcast channel, like and share, and join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope. Welcome to today's episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. This episode is one of 30 episodes you're getting across November 2021, all for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm Charlotte, and today I'm talking to presenter, broadcaster, and public speaker, Stephanie Hurst. Now, Steph's joining us today because her mum, Joyce, died from pancreatic cancer in 2013. There's a history to this because, and I think um, she was misdiagnosed many times by her GP. So in the 1970s, she'd always had trouble with her tummy, always. And I remember standing at the bottom of the stairs, you know, wrapped up in my jacket and my gloves and my mittens and everything, you know, we're going to miss the bus. But my mum's run off to the toilet. She, I was always forever waiting for her outside a toilet or something. So she'd always had, she'd always had some kind of trouble with her tummy. And, um, and she had, I think she had irritable bowel, essentially. But back in the 80s, you know, they didn't really understand dietary issues or anything like that or intolerance to dairy or all those kind of things. Um, and then they also discovered in the 19th, late 1970s that she had gallstones. So in 19, I know it's 1977, I'll tell you for why, because I recently found her gallstones. Oh, no. Yeah, I was just going through some stuff. I've, I, put, I put a lot of her stuff in storage along with my stuff. And, um, oh, I just found this test tube. Oh, it's the gallstones. And I remember them from when I was little that she showed me them. But no, she's still got them. Anyway, they. Le- <laughs> it says 11th of November, 77. And they're just beige inside and a bit rotten. Sorry if anyone's eating or drinking whilst they're listening to this, but <clears throat> yeah, I've still got my mum's gallstones. Maybe I could recreate it from the DNA trapped inside the gut. No, I'm joking. Um, and then they left some in. So during the 1980s, this is probably, probably why I've got memories of her running off to the toilet and being in pain. Um, so she went back in and, uh, and had some more removed, which I've got. So I've got two <laughs> test tubes full of mother's gallstones. 
so she'd always had issues with with the toilet and a tummy. So when she was, you know, complaining a good 18 months before she was diagnosed, I just thought this was something. And she was backwards and forwards to the doctors and he was giving her, or she was, it was a female GP actually, she was giving her different bits of medication and, and none of it was getting any better at all. And she kept going back and kept going back. I remember her ringing me one evening and just saying, I'm in, I'm in so much pain. Can, can you come over? Can you come over? And, and I think I was, I was somewhere else. I think I wasn't, I wasn't near home and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get back. So I think a friend went round and and everything. I feel really, really guilty about that, but I think I was like 200 miles away or something. And um, a friend went round and, and I think the next day went back to the GP. And at this point, that's when she was taken in for a scan. And that is when everything changed. And it was the day where uh, my car had broken down um, because I'd put too much oil in it, which was a lesson to be learned. Um, and then my mum got admitted to hospital that day. So I went in, they did the scans. I went back the next day and it was when they asked me to, can you come in? We need to speak to you and your mum. And it's at that point you think they're asking me to be with her. This is, this, this doesn't sound like it's good news. And my mum and dad had separated about a decade before I remember being on the phone to my dad actually saying, because um, my dad, you know, they still loved each other. They just, you know, weren't in love with each other. And they, you know, they, <laughs> you talk about me and my mum being chalk and cheese. They really were chalk and cheese. Uh, they couldn't live with each other or, or, you know, and probably, you know, glad to live without each other. Um, but I remember my dad saying, well, just let me know. Obviously, let me know what happens. And I remember going in and I think I was completely unprepared for it. And my mum was in a separate room. She wasn't on the ward. And before I knew it, there was like four people in the room, two with clipboards and two sat down. I'm thinking, hello, what's going on here? This this seems a little bit. And I don't know whether that was the right thing, having four people in a small room. Still to this day, I don't know whether that, that felt right. Felt a bit ambushed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then the, um, the consultant explained that it's pancreatic cancer and I was holding my mum's hand at the time and I can still feel her squeezing it now. She literally squeezed my hand so tight, my right hand. And, uh, yeah. And that was the point that everything changed. But because I'm a positive person and I'm glass half full, I'm like, right, okay, come on, we can, we can beat this. We can, and I probably, and I knew that pancreatic cancer is not a good one. But I don't think I was prepared for how serious it was. And she fought this. Now, I lost my dad to bowel cancer last year. And my dad completely ignored it. Like, completely ignored it. We found two unused bowel cancer testing kits in his office. I mean, completely denial. This wasn't happening. Completely ignored it. And um, and it kills you. 
bowel cancer. So if anyone's listening to this and their bowel habits have changed or anything like that, please go and get checked out. Please. It's really important. Do not run away from this. Um, but my mum on the... My mum was completely opposite in the fact that she fought this so hard and they operated several times. They did the bypass on her to bypass the pancreas so she could at least you know, get some food down her. They were looking at chemotherapy. But I think the more scans they did and the more they looked at the pancreas, it was, it had spread by this point. And I, it was just a, a matter of, I guess, palliative care and, and managing this really um, and trying to make her as comfortable as possible, um, which was, that's the hard bit. When you see someone who was only a few months ago stood in town drinking with all of her friends and she's now and she was she was never you know she was only about five foot three five foot four she must have only weighed about eight stone nine stone eight probably so she was never you know she wasn't a big lady at all she's very slim but to see her just disappearing day by day and fading away was just really hard and I think probably I may have gone into a little bit of denial as well. I think you, you do. I think it's a coping mechanism sometimes. You just try and, you know, get through it the best you can. I'd not been through this before. This was completely new. And, I've, you know, my life was 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 pretty good. And all of a sudden this has arrived. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do with this? How do I process this? I'm very black and white when it comes to things. And it was like, right, we can't fix her. So, right, okay, so I need to process this and I need to work out how, what my coping mechanism is for this. And her partner at the time, a lovely guy called James, and he was a wonderful, wonderful man and, and cared for her so much. He was there morning, noon and night for her. And they didn't live together. Um, but immediately soon as my mum was... Um, discharged from from hospital and she could go home uh, and the Macmillan nurses the incredible work that the Macmillan nurses do could come round and, and give a palliative care um he was there every single step of the way he was just he was amazing what a guy what a guy and I'm so lucky that that you know he was there I mean I would have been there I'd have stopped working uh, but he said look I'm fine you know I can look after her you get here when you can. And I did every day, finished my radio show and literally went to my mum's every single day because I knew that I wanted to spend time with her. And the one thing I did do was, unbeknown to her, is record her. So, and I, I, I recommend that everyone, anyone does this. And I know it's, you know, you shouldn't record people without their knowledge, but your loved one is dying. And record them you, you just just record them just stick your phone on stick it before you go into the room you know we're all faffing with our phones these days they won't realize stick it on voice memo you know turn the screen off and just stick it but make sure you've got the bottom pointing in their direction because you get a better it, it sounds better um and i i've got so many recordings of my mum so many and it was only a couple of weeks ago that i was I was going through my voice memos. I was looking for something and I found a load of old ideas and I was like, 
how far does my voice memos go back on my phone? And they go back to when I first ever got an iPhone, which is like 2008 or something like that. And um, I ended up dropping on a um, on a few voice memos from my mum because I've got one that I listen to every single day on my birthday. So the day I was born, because um, my mum passed on the 14th of August, I'm born on the 31st of July. So she was still quite corpus mentis. She was still, you know, she was still, still there with us. And um, I just got to talk through my birth and what it was like that whole day and everything and what happened. And, you know, she said they used the suction on me because I wouldn't come out. So um, my <laughs> my head was like a Bobby's helmet. My mum used to claim. Now, I didn't know that this was a euphemism for something else. I always thought it was just a policeman's helmet. So... I used to go around, yeah, when I was born, my head was like a Bobby's helmet and all the adults would laugh. I had no idea, literally no idea of this euphemism at all. I said it on the radio and all sorts of stuff and people would laugh. Just literally no idea. And it's only later in life that I realised what she would Thanks, mum. She said, there's loads, I've got loads of Joyceisms, loads of them. She, she's passed on to me and I constantly, she she lives on through my Joyceisms that just come out of my mouth that my mum's told me something and I think it's true and it's not. And um, so I was taken straight into intensive care and my mum said it was brilliant because I knew you were safe and I knew they were looking after you. So, But all the other mothers were getting up to feed their kids and I was just laying in bed and it was great. It was fine. I had a jigsaw at the end of the bed that I used to get up and do a little bit on and people would come to visit you and they'd all have a go at a jigsaw and everything. Then they'd take you back to intensive care. It was great. I didn't have to deal with you. I'm like, thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. She was fine. So I've had you all my life. They just had you for a few days. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. She was awesome. She was real, you know, she had a real macabre, dark sense of humour as well, which I kind of liked. I think I get that from my mum as well. She was she was very funny. She was hilarious. She always had a, a quip for something. And uh, did cracking Yorkshire puddings. Oh, I can't beat a good Yorkshire. Yeah, I've got an amazing photo that I took one Christmas day of her getting her, her, her um, Yorkshire puddings out of the oven and she looked so proud because they're all risen. I'm like, yes, come on. She was just awesome. She was awesome. So I have this recording of my mum describing my birth and everything. And and I listen to it every single day. I think I started recording at 11 minutes past midday. And I was, it wasn't my birthday until 25 past 12 every year in the morning. It's not, no, it's not your birthday yet. It's 25 past 12. <laughs> like, Thanks, mum. <laughs> and um, so I, listen, I set it rolling at 11 minutes past 12 every single year. And it, talks me through and then she wishes me happy birthday at exactly 25 past 12 every year and I love it and for the rest of my life I will have that recording she will always she will wish me happy birthday every single day for the rest of my life and it's it's amazing to have that but I was scrolling back and around that time I'd, I'd made some other recordings as well and there was one I discovered recently well, when I was sat on the edge of the bed, scrolling back. And um, I was just talking to her about life and, you know, what do I do with my life and all sorts of stuff. And I feel like I'm I'm never going to find anybody. And, you know, I remember saying to me, you know, you'll find your little treasure. 
And I've never, I, I recorded that at the time. And I think because of everything else going off, it went in one ear and out the other. And she's just given me this gift two weeks ago of this belief that I will find my little treasure. And now that's playing around in my head. And I love that. She's still giving me stuff. She's still giving me stuff. How, again, because I've, I've, I'm difficult middle child, so <laughs> it comes with its own baggage, I promise. Um, <laughs> but I know that when my parents die, I've got my brother and my sister to A, help with emotionally and also the admin side. That sounds terrible when you call it the admin side, but there is yeah. an admin side to it as well. I know that I've got two other people to kind of help out with and be there and we can go through it together and have that shared experience. What's it like as an only child to to, to lose your mum? Um there's there's obviously the 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 bonds that you have with your mum. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm very, I'm very black and white and I, I knew that we couldn't fix her. So it was a case of, right, I've just got to get through this and I've got to find a coping mechanism to be able to kind of get to the other side of this. But you turn to your mum in times of need, you turn to your mum for advice, you turn for a a hug, you go to your mum's for her home-cooked food that makes you feel warm inside. There's a there's a real safety aspect of being with your mum. And you you can't you can't buy that. You can't replace that in any way, shape or form. So and I'm going now because Sorry. no, it's no it's fine because it is. It's that it's it's the bond that you have. You know, it's a different bond that you have with your father. But with your mum, there's a real kind of, you know, she's grown you. She's carried you for those nine months. You know, she's picked you up. My dad was at work. You know, she she did everything for me. So when you do lose your mum, it's it's really, it's really difficult. It's really, it's really hard to kind of, to process all of that. So I think you do go into some form of autopilot in some respects, just to kind of get yourself through it. And you never get over it. You never get, you, it becomes part of you, this, I, I don't know whether it's grief or, I think as soon as you lose a parent, that you, that stays with you forever. But I, I took real strength from the fact that my mum lost her mum and her mum lost her mum. And her mum lost her mum and so on and so forth because that is the, that's how it should be. You shouldn't bury your children. So I, I took some real strength from that and I, I my mum laughed again and she smiled again and she parted again and she had a great time again, but she never forgot her mum, but she had an amazing time in life again. And that I took strength from because I realised that I can't stop living just because my mum's gone. She would leave me anyway one day. So I can't be overwhelmed with grief because I, I need to carry on and and give her something to be proud of. So that was my that was my coping mechanism, I think. When I, you know, when it, it dawned on me that that this is this is the, the cycle of life. 
I've lost her too soon. There was there was many more things that we should have done together. But we we you know, it was it was cut short. But my word, I got her for 35 years or something like that. I got her for so many years where some people get their mums for a very short period of time. You know, some children, some some women died during childbirth. They never get to meet their mum. Some lose them during childhood or, or teenage years. So I got her for 35 years. My God, I was lucky. So lucky. I wish I'd kept her till I was in my 60s or 70s. But I mean, she'd have done me heading by then, to be honest. You know, <laughs> let's be honest. I love you to bits, mum, but my words, you'd have done me heading. <laughs> Gosh, she, she, we used to do each other's heads in already. So my word, and I mean that with love. I mean that with the great, that comes from the greatest place. But um, totally get it. Yeah. But, you know, those conversations that you have, it means you still have your mum, you know, you've got that. White feathers. That happy birthday in yeah. particular. I just yeah. think that's beautiful. It's, it, I'm so lucky to have to, to have done that. And white feathers. I find white feathers all over the house. She she told me that she would um she would deliver white feathers and she does. She told me she would move things and she does. Now I'm not a particularly spiritual person, but um oh my word, she she's around me. It sounds daft to ask because obviously it's obviously it's going to affect you. But how has the pancreatic cancer diagnosis from your mum affected you? Yeah, I've recently um, left. A, a, I had a full time job. I was working on the radio daily, and I left because one of the reasons was I. It was some of it was making me unhappy, and I wasn't being fulfilled, and I was getting quite bloated, and I was in pain in my tummy, and I was like, "This is." This is this is not right. This doesn't this doesn't feel right. And stress does go straight to your tummy. It does. But I was like, this just doesn't this doesn't feel right. So I went to my GP and I tried to explain. And obviously this is during, you know, this is during the, the pandemic. So it's difficult to actually get seen by by a GP, but he eventually I got a face to face and he had a feel around and any history within your family. Yeah. Dad, bowel cancer, mum, pancreatic cancer. And that is a red flag to your GP. So immediately I was sent off for an ultrasound on my tummy to have a look around and also my pancreas. And um, that thankfully came back clear. Um, And my pancreas and the lady actually who... um, she used to listen to my old morning show, actually, bless her. So there was loads of conversations about that and blah, 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 blah. And uh, she says, well, do you want to see your pancreas? I was like, oh, my word, I've never seen it. Let's have a look. So she twisted the camera around and had a good look. And there it is. I'd never seen it. Never seen one ever. And there it is looking really. And she says, it's in. It's it's good. I can't see anything else. Um, And then that went to the consultant. And the consultant said... I'm just going to double check. So immediately I'm like, oh gosh, I'm just going to double check. So then he sent me for a CT scan. And then the CT scan um, showed some thickening of my large bowel. But the pancreas was healthy. So that that was good. And that's that, that put my mind at rest 
with that. If it's something else, bowel-wise, the, the prognosis is, is catching it, it catching it earlier is, is, you know, you've got a better chance. So I had a colonoscopy and, and they said, oh, we can sedate you or uh, you can have some gas and air. I said, you know what? I'm going to try and get through this on my own. I'm going to see if I can do it. So she says, well, the gas and air is here just in case you need it. And I've taken all the Movi prep stuff that clears your bowels. That's lovely. And um, and he sticks this camera up and I'm like, okay. And there's this huge, big 60-inch telly. And the camera, I'm informed, is 4K. So I'm like, well, this is good. This is better than going to cinema to see, you know, to see I Bond film on IMAX or whatever. <laughs> before the Bond film came out. This was last year. And um, so the camera goes up and I'm like, oh my word, I'm seeing the inside of my boss. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Look at it all inside. And I'm seeing all of this. And he says to me at one point, well, we're going to go through a bit now, which looks like you're going through the inside of a Toblerone. I'm like, wow, this is great. Oh, amazing. So honestly, I kid you not, Charlotte, it was it was just seeing the insides. And he said to me, do you want to see, do you want to see your small bowel? I'm like, yeah. He says, well, let me just do, let me just reverse a little bit. And he says, this <laughs> might hurt when I go around this bit here. I'm like, no. And the woman's holding the gas and air. She says, I wish they were all like you. <laughs> she says, we've not had one like you for months. I'm like, I've got no idea why this is not hurting me, but it, it just didn't hurt at all. It was slightly uncomfortable, but it just, it just, I managed to get through it. I've no idea why. All of our bowels are, are, are the same, but, but different. And, um, and yeah, so showed me inside the, uh, the small bowel, which is white and furry. I'd never seen it. I was like, oh, Google images when I got home, I'm looking at other people's small bowels. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, they, they gave me the all clear, which was a, a, a huge relief on the fact that my pancreas is okay and my bowels are okay. And everything's returned to normal uh, since, you know, leaving my job and everything and, and going back primarily freelance every single day of my life now, which is which is nice. And I've less stress in my life. So my bowels have kind of and I think I've just got probably hereditary from my mum, just a little bit of IBS as well. I do worry that cancer is going to get me. They say statistically now it's one in two. And I've lost both parents to cancer. I went to a Maggie's Cancer Centre today, which if you've never been to a Maggie's, they're all across the UK. Um, it started in Scotland. I think there's eight in Scotland, actually. There's one in Leeds. And uh, I'm hosting their charity ball this year. And they invited me to come and experience it because it's so difficult to to describe what it's like. I can only describe the building is 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 architecturally designed in such a way that I feel like the building's giving you a hug. It is, it's absolutely beautiful. And what they do, the staff there, if anyone is, is going through cancer treatment, newly diagnosed or coming to the end of it or their families, they are there free of charge. And I was talking about, it's, it, you know, interestingly that we're, you know, doing this podcast today that I've been there this morning and just talking about bereavement and, and what you go through and 
you know, I think that one day it's going to get me. I think that, you know, but I try not to think about that because I think stress is a cause of cancer. I'm glad that I, I had those checks, you know, the back end of last year and this year, early this year. It does put your mind at rest, but who knows, you know, something could have triggered today that, you know, may come to fruition or I feel something in, you know, two to five years time. Who knows? Our bodies are incredibly strong, but also terribly fragile as well. It's, um, but you're here for a good time. I have a saying, which is believe, achieve. You can, you know, believe and achieve your wildest dreams and it's all manifestation. And I just think glass half full, try and remain positive. And, you know, I think I probably now treat every day as if it's it's my last, really. And I don't know if that's a good thought process or not, but I just try and squeeze as much out of each day and try to reach my potential every single day. There's days where I don't, you know, sit in front of Netflix in my pyjamas with a, you know, big tub of that... uh, I love, have you seen it in the supermarket? It's a big tub of ice cream, but it's only like 320 calories. I'm like, give me yes, some of that. I love that stuff. Give me some of Thank that. Thank you so much to Steph for talking to me for today's episode. I'm going to be honest, we chatted for hours. And when I say hours, I mean hours. It's probably because we're both radio people. That's what happens when radio people get together. We just talk, funnily enough. So I really, really, really do appreciate the time she gave the podcast. And of course, a big thank you to you for listening too. Don't forget to share the podcast. By sharing it, you are spreading the message. And you can also leave us a rating and review as well. You can do that via your podcast app. We're here every day throughout November. And if you want to find out a bit more about what we're doing, head to purplerainbow.co.uk. And of course, I'll be back with another episode for you tomorrow.